Mojave Beach Productions and the Sagebrush Theater bring you exciting audio snapshots of the Old West and the wild American frontier. Coulterville, starring Al Dunaway as Sam Brooks. They're coming. I saw them leaving the mines from up on Robert's Bluff. The miners is on the way. Get them doors open for business. Got all the supplies ready? Yes, sir. Yeah, they'll be along any time now, Ferris. Stomping through the doors with their muddy feet, bellying up to the bar, a hooting and a hollering. Nearly begging us to take those high-toned mining wages off him. You complaining? <laughs> Me? Not hardly. If a man's bound and determined to squander his money on drink and pleasures of the flesh, it ain't for me to stop him. I might as well be the one who gets it as somebody else. Cassius, you're a philosopher after my own heart. <laughs> yeah. That's why we work so well together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go on and roust out the girls. Most of those boys will stop at the store first, but I want everybody primed and ready. You finished mixing up that fresh batch of hooch? Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, done it this morning. Uh, putting a little extra hot pepper and creosote this time. Half a pint will flat take the bark off a tree. <laughs> <laughs> How many six of hearts you got in that deck, girl? You done cheated me out of two dollars already. I'll be hanged if you're going to do me that way again. What seems to be the trouble, Mary? Oh, Mrs. Zebediah seems to think there was some problem with the deal, Mr. Ferris. I'd say he's had a couple too many whiskeys and beer chasers, so they've muddied his memory. Uh, maybe so. We want folks to enjoy themselves at the Cottonmouth, to know we run an honest game. Give the man his two dollars back, Mary, and buy him a drink on the house. Please accept my apology for any misunderstandings, Zebediah. I hope you're a big enough man to let it pass and come see us again next payday. What the devil was that about? You know darn well, Mary. It's all about good, cheap advertising. You notice I spoke loud enough for everybody in the place to hear. But just to keep our accounts straight, you see to it a couple of boys meet our friends outside later on to collect what's due from him with interest. I tell you, something's got to be done. Killing and beatings every weekend, scaring decent women half out of their wits. It's high tie somebody put a stop to it. Who'd you have in mind for the job, Clinch? You? No, but... McClendon's uh, got a point. What can the likes of us do? There's mighty rough men in this town, and some has got business interests here. I reckon we all know who the worst of that lot is, too. I don't expect Mr. Bearclaw Ferris is much interested in your opinion. He'd take an awful hard man to buck that crowd. 
town taming lawman with the bark still on. I don't know of a soul in this neck of the woods who can handle the job. Well, what about Deputy Billy Higgins? <laughs> You're new here, Lucas, so I guess you ain't quite got everything figured out yet. Billy's the sheriff's brother-in-law, and he runs the second biggest saloon and body house in Colderville. What we need's a guy like Sam Brook, town marshal, Matagorda, Texas, a regular ring-tailed wildcat. What entire nation you know about what's going on in Matagorda, Texas? <laughs> well, unlike the company I keep, I read newspapers. That Brookfeller gets himself written up every time he does a little town cleaning, which is exactly what this town needs. Can you imagine what it'd be like if we had a marshal like him? Like him? Why not the man himself? You all give me the say-so, and I'll send a telegram today offering Sam Brook the job in Coulterville. You thought about what it'd take to get him to leave Texas and come all the way to Florida? No man with his kind of reputation comes cheap. Hmm. Well, it says in the paper he was a Florida boy himself to start with. Maybe he's got a wish to be home with his own. And that don't answer my question. Wish or no wish, he'll expect to be paid. Uh, what you figure on offering him? Well, let's see. There's us four, plus maybe half a dozen or a dozen others who could chip in. Say we each kicked in $20 a month and give him a salary of 200 Plus a train ticket to get here, of course. And maybe a little budget for expenses. Once the rowdy element's took care of, one way or the other, we won't need no high-priced marshal anymore. I figure three, four months, maybe six on the outside. Then we can give him his walking papers. You reckon he'll take them? Morning, gentlemen. Yeah, morning. 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 What's this about hiring a town marshal for $200 a month? We've been discussing the matter. Mighty fancy wages for a lawman. Deputy Higgins don't make half that. <laughs> Worth nearly every cent of it, too. This ain't no run-of-the-mill lawman, Sally. This here's a ring-tailed town tamer. You sure we want another gun hand in Coulterville? Seems like we got plenty as it is. Sometimes you gotta fight fire with fire. We need law and order. Sam Brooks the man who can arrange it. Besides, he's not a gun hand, he's a in sworn In Matagorda, Texas, we still don't know if he'll come to Florida. Worst could happen is he'll say no, then we'll just be back where we started from. Uh, Sally, we're all going to chip in whatever we can. You got rooms in your boarding house going to waste. Well, well why not give the marshal free lodging as your share? It wouldn't cost you a cent and give him one more reason to take the job. Well, I... Then it's settled. You gents go talk it up with the other merchants... Get him to agree to pitch in whatever he can. That's fair. I'll send a telegram to Matagorda. I'll keep all this close to your vest. Last thing we need is for Bearclaw Ferris and his cronies to get wind of this. Whether or not Brooke takes the job, we don't want every bad apple in the county knowing our plans. morning thinking it was going to be a pretty uneventful day until I got word that Reeves, he's the mayor of Matagorda, wanted to see me. Well, I knew better than get my hopes up, but I kind of figured he wanted to give me some of the pay the city's been owing me for a while now. I was just going in the building when Joel, the telegraph clerk, poked his head out a side door and handed me a folded sheet of paper. Come in. 
Jim. Glad you could come on such short notice. Mayor? Have a seat. How about a drink, Sam? Uh, no thanks. Mind if I do? Sam, we've got a problem. You know Captain Sewell of the schooner Lizzie White? I can't say I've had the pleasure. Well, he knows you, or any highest crew does. You put a bullet into one and busted two other skulls up to Molly Anderson's last night. Then you marched them all the way up across town, bleeding and half-blind to the calaboose. Well, I kind of figured they were on the wrong side of the line. I mean, when they tried to argue, they just come up short. I figured they got off easy. Well, Captain Sewell don't see it that way. He's madder than a wet hen about the entire business. You set back his plans to sail this morning and cost him the use of a good first mate for a couple weeks. Well, that's his problem. Sam, Matagorda lives and dies by the trade of sailors and sea captains. We can't afford to get them all riled up over half-baked rules and regulations. Who was it gave you the authority to make a rule like that in the first place? Well, I'd had an idea you and the town council did. When you hired him, you know the trouble we used to have with sailors on shore leave. Why, not even God himself could keep them in line. Well, I gave them a couple of blocks near the harbor where they could do their drinking and their fighting. But I make them keep it there. Now, maybe you call that half-baked. Captain Sewell calls it downright insulting. Most of the other captains agree with him. Well, they're not getting paid to keep the peace in Matagorda. I'm glad you put it that way, Sam, because me and the town council had a meeting first thing this morning. And we decided, as the ones who pay your salary, that it's time you backed off and made a couple of concessions. Oh? First is the rule keeping ship's crews out of town. We want it dry. Right now, today. Second, we want you to let Captain Sewell's men go. No charges, no trial, no fines, no nothing. And... And third, in the interest of peaceable relations, we want you to make a personal apology to Captain Sewell for all his trouble and inconvenience. Anything else? That's it. All right, Mayor. You and the council and that saltwater captain have had your say, and now I'm going to have mine. When I got here, no decent woman was safe, even in broad daylight. I don't call many of your merchants going out of an evening either. Now, I took care of that, and I did it with fists and gun smoke and meanness and grit. It's the only language troublemakers understand. Now, you wanted a peaceful town, and that's what you got. Now, I can keep it peaceful for as long as you want, but my way and by my rules, which don't include giving drunk sailors the run of the town or setting lawbreakers loose or apologizing to any man on earth for doing my job. I'm sorry you feel that way, Sam. The council's made its decision, and they don't leave no room for arguing. Either you do things their way from now on, or turn in your badge. All right, here it is, Mayor. We've got nothing else to talk about. When I walked out of that office, I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. But fate... Now, fate's a strange bird. I went out and 
stood on the sidewalk for a bit. Then I remembered the telegram in my pocket. I pulled it out and saw that I had a job offer in Florida. <laughs> Funny, huh? Florida was my home, but oh, I hadn't been back there in years. And, and now on the day I lost one job, I had an offer of another. Back home. Sam Brooke here. You got a ticket for me? To Coulterville, Florida? Lucas. Sheriff Higgins and that fellow who works for them, what's it, what's his name? Jenkins. They've been telling all the merchants to pay $10 a week for protection money. Uh -huh. or... I had a visit from him myself first thing this morning. Well, what are we going to do? Hand me them sacks of flour in that box by your foot there, will you? Thanks. You suit yourself. Pay it if you're afraid of them, or anyhow, make the first payment. Enough to stall them till our new marshal gets to town. Well, they ain't a mind to be put off. Jenkins said, have the money by six o'clock today or, or be out of business come morning. We'll start with Clinch's store. Jenkins, you got the torch? Something all. Ready to go. Cover him from behind that oak tree over there. When the torch catches, we'll hightail it over to the blacksmith shop. Fire there ought to take out the next two businesses. Real good lesson in failing to live up to the community spirit, I'd say. <laughs> Ready? Anybody else out there want a word with old Betsy here? Go ahead. Think it over. I got all night and ammunition to spare. Never see such a muddied up mess in all your life. You get a chance to talk to that telegraph operator tonight? Yeah, I saw him at his house a couple hours ago. You were right about something being in the wind. Appears them merchants done hired themselves this hard-edged lawman from Texas to take on the job of town marshal. Fellow named uh, uh, Brook. Sam Brook? You know him? Maybe. Mighty long time ago. No matter. Could be somebody in you, or could be a total stranger. If he means to come strutting in here and put the screws to this town, we still got to deal with the problem. And we got to do it quick before he has a chance to get himself set. So here's what I want you to do. This is Coulterville, folks. Watch your step. There he is, fellas. Sam Brook. Why don't you go give the man a big Coulterville welcome? Is he going to make it, Doc? Well, Sally, he is, but danged if I can figure how. Four broke ribs, multiple cuts and contusions, mild concussion. <laughs> He's a tough one. 
I'll give him a spot of morphine to ease the pain so he'll be out for a time. You let me know if there's any change. Otherwise, I'll be in tomorrow sometime to look at him. Thanks, Doc. Clinch and Roberts and some of the others are waiting in the living room. They feel just awful. It was them brought him here, you know. How is he? Yeah, he'll live, probably. Likely be fit to travel in three, four days. And if anybody here is interested in my professional opinion, that's just what he ought to do. Travel. Just a moment. Evening, Sally. Heard you had an ailing man here. Thought I'd come by and pay my respects. Um, Mr. Brooks is asleep now, Mr. Ferris. He can't see any visitors. I reckon it is a mite late. You'll just see he gets these flowers, along with this here envelope. I'll come by again when he's feeling stronger. I lay in that bed. I remember opening my eyes and finding this angel-looking woman hovering over me with a wet cloth on my head. You know, the doc was there. I, I remember that. And the room I was in was mighty pretty, all soft and feminine-like. Even had some flowers and a vase beside my pillow. And then I saw the envelope. And when I could get my bearings, I opened it. I don't know. He still ain't in much condition to see visitors. Doc Green says... Why don't you just tell him it's me and find out what he says? Well, I... Miss Mark... (coughs) Miss Markham! If that's Mr. Ferris out there, you can let him come on in. Are you sure? The doc said that... It'll be all right. Long time, Ferris. Pemberton's Ferry, wasn't it? (laughs) Remember it just like it was yesterday. Well, pull up a chair and make yourself at home. Those were some wild times, huh? Who'd have guessed back then that you'd wind up a lawman? Well, me least of all, I reckon. (laughs) You running this town now, Ferris? Me? (laughs) No. I just got a couple business interests here is all. Business must be pretty good, judging by the contents of this envelope. <clears throat> Lots of money to be spending on train tickets for somebody who might not use them. Only a friendly suggestion, for old times' sake. Well, what about these bruises and broken ribs I got? Are they, uh, for old times' sake, too? <laughs> Sam, Sam, it pains me you'd believe that of your old partner. After all we've seen together... Wasn't it me who pulled your fat out of the fire that time in Melville? I'm sorry about what happened. I truly am. But like I said, I ain't calling the shots. Best I could do is try and see it wasn't any worse than it was. All right, Ferris, if you say so. <laughs> Take a tip from an old pal, Sam. There's mighty hard men in this town. They'll ride roughshod over you or me or the devil himself if he gets in their way. You'll need a couple more days to mend, but... 
soon as you're able. You use those tickets and find you some greener pastures. There's plenty of towns in Florida where a man with your grit and spit could have him a long, profitable life. Colterville ain't one of them. Well? Well, nothing. We never got a chance to talk to him. Sally said he was sleeping and she wouldn't wake him. Told us he took a turn for the worse and weren't allowed visitors know how. Doc Green's his orders. Well, this is a fine howdy-do. Here we are with Ferris shaking us down for $10 a week, and we're putting by another five for some crippled-up lawman who can't even drag herself out of bed. He- he'll be on his feet soon enough. Then you'll see some changes around here. Toss me another piece of wood there, Lucas. We could hang meat in this room, Clinch. I reckon Brooke probably meant to take the job when he left out from Texas. But getting beat within an inch of your life the minute you set foot in town could make most any feller have second thoughts. Sam Brooke ain't the quitting kind. I tell you, he'll take the job. I don't know, Clinch. I've had some questions about this feller from the get-go. Newspapers say he's from Florida, yet I ain't met a soul who's ever heard of him. Where you going, McClendon? Long as we're waiting to see if he'll stick, I think I'll send off a couple wires to lawmen acquaintances of mine. You never can tell. Whoever ordered that beating just might have done us a bigger favor than any of us knows. Well, it had been a week now, and I still wasn't out of the woods, but the ribs were mending, and Miss Sally's wasn't the worst place in the world for a war-weary lawman to hang his hat while his body healed. Anyhow... One day she called me to the back door, and there in the yard was a buckboard all hitched up and waiting, along with a picnic basket full of every good thing to eat a hungry man could ever wish for. And Sally said the lake air would do me good, and I wasn't about to argue with my landlady, especially one as pretty as Sally. More lemonade? No, no thanks. That, uh, But that was a fine meal. Here, let me let me help you clear the... Oh, oh, just sit back and rest. Everything will just go in the basket till I get home. Tell me about yourself, Sally. What was it brought you to a rough-and-tumble town like Coulterville in the first place? You got family here? No. There ain't much to tell. I was reared up around Lake City, married at 16, and then moved all over the country with Abe for a while. Was it really ten years ago? Don't seem so long ago when I look back on it. Abe was a fine man, a cooper by trade, but restless, you know, always wanting to see what was across the next creek or or waiting in the next town. We finally lit in Coulterville. I was tired of moving. We'd saved enough to put down on a house, so we'd done it and settled in. Then, uh, then Abe come down with the fever and died. Almost a year ago now, I've been doing whatever it takes to get by in the meantime. Yeah, in a town like this, that took grit. Oh, not like I had any choice in the matter. Yeah, you're a lot tougher than you look, Sally. I know it couldn't have been easy. It 
it'd be easier still if Colterville had somebody like Sam Brooke watching out for their best interests. He what? That's what Clyde down at the boat landing said. Sam Brooke and Miss Markham rode out to the lake this afternoon with a picnic basket, a couple old blankets, and great big smiles on their faces. Well, I'll be a ring-tailed son of a... Well, if he's up to court and Miss Sally, it seemed to me he'd be up to getting to work on a job we sent for him to do. We'd best call us another little council meeting. I'll round up Phil and Lucas. You keep an eye out for Ferris and his cronies in the meantime. What's the matter, Mr. Sam Brook? You got moldy old skeletons hidden in your closet? Well, lots of men got things in their past they just soon not talk about, Sally. And nobody can change the past, and ducks, nobody can go back to it even if they wanted to. I figure what really matters is who a body is now, this minute. All right. Then tell me who Sam Brook is now, this minute. Well, he's tired, his head aches. His ribs hurt. Oh. And he's starting wondering about how come he's in Florida in the first place. Uh, something about a town marshal's job, wasn't it? Well, at the start. And maybe coming back to a state where I once felt I had some roots. But it ain't like that for a lawman, Sally. I mean, at least not the kind of lawman Colterville wants and needs right now. The kind I turned out to be, I reckon. Well, mind if we take a walk? I think the exercise would do me some good. If I fail here in Colterville, it's my hide and nobody will shed many tears one way or the other. But if I succeed, things do start getting peaceful and respectable. Then a man like me stops being the solution and becomes part of the problem. I'm not sure I understand. I'm just a tough, hard, rough man who the locals would just soon do without. I mean, before long, they'll be telling me so. And I'll move on, probably without getting so much as a simple thank you. Oh, I guess I've been wondering lately if it's worth all the trouble. Well, you'd best make up your mind, Sam. It ain't exactly fair to keep everybody wondering like this. Well, today's Thursday. I reckon maybe I'll be ready to talk it over by Sunday. Why so long? Uh, Couldn't you sleep sorry. on it tonight and give them your answer tomorrow? You know, Sunday will be soon enough. See, I got some unfinished business to tend to in the meantime. Well, the streets were pretty dark when I went into Colterville. I figured the men I'd be looking for were somewhere around the Cottonmouth Saloon. All I had to do was be patient. My uh, welcoming committee was bound to show themselves sooner or later. <laughs> Take it easy, partner. You'll win it back tomorrow. <laughs> hey, don't be mad. You can feel that back. Not tonight, then tomorrow. I recognized him the minute he come through the doors. Do him right off by the way his shirt fit like it was squeezed around a rain barrel. I'd only gotten a glimpse of him that night. Him and his cronies jumped me, but he only took a glimpse. <clears throat> Time to pay the piper, son. You and your friends had your chance down by the depot. Tonight's my turn. I reckon you got me dead to rights, mister. It's a devil of a note, but I should have seen it coming. That, that's it. 
Easy now. Try not to hurt me too bad here. I've been feeling poorly lately and... I'd assume you hadn't done that. But anyhow, you got your wish. You ain't gonna feel the hurt much longer. Look at where a six-gun lays. Hasn't been fired. I didn't figure it had. You got an idea whose work this is? I got better than an idea. Well, what in tarnation's it all about, Ferris? It's about riling a man up who might have been better left alone. Brooks? What are we gonna do about it? You still ain't took the marshal's job, far as I know. Maybe after tonight I can talk some sense into him and get him to leave before this turns into an all-out war. You don't think it already has? We got a couple other irons in the fire tonight. Why don't you worry about those and leave Brooke to me? If that's the best idea he's got, he's welcome to it. I got other plans for you and me, Jenkins. I'd managed to stay out of sight while they tended to their business with a punk who'd helped crack my ribs and put a dent in my skull. But I knew his friends had to be around somewhere. And they didn't come out of the Cottonmouth Saloon when they heard shots. Which told me they at least had some sense. No, they were still in there all right. And it didn't hurt me none to bide my time. Mm-hmm. Just like I thought. There comes another one of them goons. Tall, skinny, walking with a limp. I couldn't miss him. And he came out and looking first one way and then the other, kind of like he was expecting trouble. Then he started walking, real light, so that his boot heels only echoed faintly in the night. Well, I waited till he got off the boardwalk and headed into the alley, and then I grabbed him and pinned his arms behind his back. Well, I managed to smack his head into the side of the building, figuring it was one for the concussion he gave me. And then I jammed my knee into his back just to hold him still so I could get hold of his gun and toss it into the street. It makes a fight more fair when the bad guy's disarmed. You know, not that he was standing there like a pussycat. <laughs> he gave me as good as he got whenever he could get a lick in. Well, I saw I'd battered his nose pretty good, and then he sort of backed off and stared at me for a second or two. Well, I thought he was about to take a swing at me, but instead, he just spun around and took off running. Well, I picked up my Winchester and took off after him, toward the end of the building where he disappeared around a dark corner. Then all of a sudden, somebody leaped out from behind a stack of boxes and walloped me with a body blow that sent me right down on my backside. Good thing, because if I'd have been standing, that bullet would have gone whistling right about dead center of my forehead. Well, I'm still trying to figure out who plowed into me when a dark figure grabbed me and half-dragged, half-threw me back up the alley in the opposite direction. Shake a leg, man! Well, somehow I got my footing and we took a more stumbling than running, seems to me. Back up Main Street and no more than turn the corner when guns were firing, left and right. Well, I had presence of mind enough to cock the Winchester, but before I could even get around off, my new friend had latched onto the back of my jacket and hauled my rear up the street. <laughs> If he hadn't done that, I would have made a fatal mistake. I was so mad, I would have risked a shootout. But thank goodness the stranger's common sense prevailed. Now we finally made it to a barn of some kind. 
I could see moonlight shining through the upper portal of the hayloft where we climbed. It was mighty dark down below, and I didn't see anybody chasing us. It was the first time I'd had a chance to take a good look at the man who saved my life back there in the alley. Now, I don't know why it surprised me to see that he was black, though it didn't surprise me to see he's big as a locomotive. Piss, you got you some riled-up enemies here about Mr. Sam Brook. Well, I'm obligated to you, Miss... Zebediah. Zebediah? Zebediah Smith. Well, I'm mighty obliged, Zebediah. Uh, how, how is it you know my name? I reckon everybody in Coulterville know it by this time and why you were sent after from all the way out to Texas. You've been quite a topic of conversation this past week, whether you know it or not. And just what is it people been saying about me? That you come here all set to be our new town marshal and savior with this big reputation as some kind of devil-on-wheels lawman. Only, uh, Only what? Well, only now they figuring maybe you ain't so tough after all. Some allow Coulterville's a mite too much for Sam Brook, and he'll pull his freight without ever pinning on no marshal's badge. Well, now, they could be right, you know. <laughs> I mean, about the last part, anyhow. Uh, I got a notion that if you pull out... Won't be because no yellow streak. <laughs> Not after what I've seen tonight. What's your stake in all this? I mean, why'd you risk your hide back there to save mine? I don't imagine your being in that alley was altogether an accident. <laughs> no, not altogether. No, if I'd known there was a 12-gauge shotgun at that end, I might have thought it over more careful. <laughs> Seriously, though, the truth is I've kind of been dogging your tail ever since you left the boarding house tonight. Mostly to see what you do. Appeared to me you was on some kind of mission from the get-go. Well, I guess I didn't take many pains to hide it at that, but uh, you didn't answer my question. What's your stake in it? Why'd you help me? Well, you got enemies hereabouts. I do, too. And mostly it's the same ones. And when a couple men share the same enemies, it seems like maybe they ought to help each other out. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, something's gonna happen. Ain't liable to be pleasant. White folks ain't the only ones in Coulterville got troubles. These women and children down to the quarters going hungry with their men getting the highest wages any of them ever seen. You mean uh, losing it all in the saloons and the body houses? Yeah, they're they bad enough, but they ain't the worst of it. Yeah, what is then? Charging folks for mining jobs. Everybody got to pay the man a dollar a week out of his wages or get accused of stealing or something and see yourself fired. Raise up a ruckus about it and, and worse things happen. The man? You seen him looking on and smiling whilst them no accounts whooped up on you. Mm, you mean? Yeah, I tell you're acquainted with the white Jenny's partners with. Everybody knows Cassius is Bearclaw Ferris's number one man. <laughs> You caused trouble enough last night without sneaking out first thing this morning hunting for more. Well, I... Uh... All right, go on, get! Shoot somebody else before sitting down to breakfast. Or get shot by them. Time you're finished, I'll have your goods packed. You can pick them up there on the porch. I reckon you tried to tell me the kind of man you were. I am stubborn and I got to be shown. Shh. 
It was way too early for the cotton mouth to be open, but I tried the front door anyway. Went around to the side, and that door, too, was locked. If I was about to turn away... Sam? When I looked back, there was Ferris in the open doorway. He was dressed like he had somebody important to see. But then, well, that's the way Ferris was. He sort of looked me over and trying to decide if I was going to be a threat, I guess. He must have decided I wasn't because he flashed me a big, cordial smile like I was his best friend in the world. Good to see you, boy. A little early for socializing in my line of work, but come on in. Coffee's ready. Looked like he was just sitting down to a cup of coffee from the pot brewing on the iron stove in the corner. Sit down and take a load off while I scare up another cup. First time you've been to the Cottonmouth, isn't it? Sit down, sit down. Not exactly the best like to see the place in, but what do you think? It's big enough. Looks like it ought to turn a profit. <laughs> it does that, and then some. Coulterville's chock full of ways to make money for a man. So I've heard. You gonna join me or stand there and watch me drink your coffee? Glad to see you up and getting around so good. Feeling a tad more sprightly now, are you? Well, fair, I reckon. Ain't exactly the way I heard it. Word is you had you a right lively time last evening, what with one thing and another. Doc Green's got a couple fresh customers, and old Milt the Undertaker's got him one, too. Well, news does travel fast in a small town. Well, they had it coming. Fellas got to be prepared to get in as good as he gives, I'd say. Not a big loss. You know, it's mighty early for a saloon keeper, like you said. How come you happen to hear all this? You know, I can't even remember. People talk and somehow word just gets around. Uh-huh. Uh, your man Cassius been in this morning? Who? Cassius was the name I heard. They say you and him run this place together. Oh, Cassius. <laughs> Guess I didn't hear you real good the first time. Uh, yeah, we're, we're partners in the Cottonmouth. He's a silent partner. And no, I haven't seen him today. Doesn't generally make an appearance till sometime after 11. Why'd you ask? Yeah, just curious. Curious why he was the only one I saw in this entire town when I stepped off the train from Texas. And why, 30 seconds later, I was getting beat to within an inch of my life. Doesn't take much to rouse up your curiosity, does it? Man happens to show himself the wrong place and time. Right off, you're figuring he had some kind of a hand in it. No, I didn't say that. Just said his being there struck me kind of curious. He's the only one who was there I still haven't met. Well, go on and talk to him if it'll make you feel better. But I'm telling you, it's a waste of time. Cassius ain't opposed to a little larceny now and then, same as me. Mark cards, watered-down drinks and such. You know me too long to try and fool you about that. <clears throat> Coffee's mighty good. That rough stuff, it... Just ain't a part of our stock and trade anymore. Everybody changes, Sam, and... I could tell by the look on his face and the way his muscles tensed that somebody had just come in behind me. And then I saw his eyes dart a little to the left, a little to the right, and I reckoned that two somebodies were back there. 
Put both hands flat on the table, Brooke. Then get up real slow. That's it. What's this all about, Higgins? Stay out of it, Ferris. Sam Brooke, you're under arrest for the murder of John Clinch. I'm what? Now hold on a minute, Higgins. Deputy Sheriff Higgins. Deputy Higgins. Are you mighty sure you know what you're doing? I didn't see it coming, but I should have. The deputy started to take my Winchester from the table where I'd laid it, and Ferris threw the pot of hot coffee on Higgins' gun hand. Ah! Ferris drew his own weapon and held Higgins and his friend to bay while backing toward the back wall. Quick, through the door and out the back window. Take to the woods. I'll meet you there. Seemed kind of odd, Ferris holding a gun on his own men and helping to get away, but I didn't argue. I figured I'd find out soon enough what it was all about. Meanwhile, I did as Ferris suggested. I went out the back window. The last thing I heard was Ferris's voice. Now, Higgins, Deputy Higgins, let's everybody just settle down and have us a little talk. Robert, McClendon, you hear the latest? Deputy Higgins tried to arrest Brooke for Clinch's murder this morning, and, and Ferris helped him escape. That's one killing I wouldn't have thought he'd done. Yeah, me neither, though after last night, it's hard to say what the man's capable of. I mean, going after them as beat him is one thing. Brooks didn't have no quarrel with Clinch, though. What do you figure? Is Brooke the killer? I mean, after all, Deputy Higgins had his own reasons to want Clinch out of the picture. What, what you got in your craw, McClendon? You remember I said I'd do some checking on our Mr. Brooks, assuming he was reared in Florida and I could find anybody who knowed him? And? And I found somebody. Old Sheriff Maples down to Sumterville. Got a telegram from him first thing this morning. Appears there was this kid Sam Brook down yonder some 15, 20 years ago. Wild hellraiser of a young and mean as a snake and twice as dangerous. Guns, knives, fists, you name it. Sheriff Maple said he rode with a gang of thieves and cutthroats what terrorized half the state in them days. Only one who could put a rein on the kid was the gang's leader, a bloodthirsty killer in his own right, name of Jack Bearclaw Ferris. I was half lost in the middle of some woods where Ferris had told me to wait. But it didn't feel right. Strangers shooting at me seemed somehow a lot more comfortable than strangers saving my hide. Well, at first I can halfway understand, but the last? Well, I'm not so sure. Anyway, I'd been there a little while, fighting every flying, stinging pest Florida could throw at me when I heard somebody coming in my direction. Well, I hunkered down behind a palmetto bush and waited. It sounded like more than just one man walking toward me. Sam? Sam, damn it. Sam, you here, come on and show yourself. I'm alone, and I brung you a horse. Well, that accounted for what sounded like more than one man headed my way, but I still didn't trust him. Not totally. Turn around real slow, Ferris. Let's see your hands. Now. Tell me why you did it. We were partners once upon a time. Have you forgot? Hold it. For heaven's sake, Sam. I'm just going to sit down on this here tree trunk, 
When I saw Higgins trying to nail you on that trumped-up charge, I just did what any partner would do. I gave you your chance. Just why did you figure the charge was uh, trumped-up? You sure have got suspicious in your old age. I knew it was a trumped-up charge because I know you better than most, I reckon. Wild and fierce as you were as a young'un, you never could kill a man in cold blood. I don't expect you could now. All right, Ferris, I'm, I'm obliged. You did take a chance busting me free. <laughs> Maybe less than you thought. Me and the deputy got a kind of understanding, but he was sure fit to be tied for a time there. <laughs> you should have heard him cuss. Here, take your nag. We got a ways to go. I'll square things with Higgins in a day or two, and maybe I could get them charges against you dropped in the bargain. But you best lay low in the meantime. I got this place up in the woods near Homosassa. Dottie will probably welcome the company. Most of the day before we reached a clearing with an unpainted board house in the middle. The place was small like, the porch that ran its width. Rickety, unpainted fence outside the sand yard. Magnolia and live oak trees shading the house and the yard where chickens were running around clucking and squawking and a couple of hound dogs sitting around scratching fleas. Dottie, company for supper? Just tire at the fence there. Dottie, where are you at, gal? She came out of the house then, fresh with the first blossom of womanhood. Ah, she must have been 16, 17 most. Pretty little thing in her long skirt and crisp shirt blouse. And I was just wondering what a girl like Dottie was doing with somebody like Ferris. Pa! I wasn't expecting you to... I know, honey, but I come today instead. Mm, it's good to see you anytime. Only I ain't got nothing fixed that's fit for company. That's all right. I'll kill a chicken, and you can whip up some biscuits. I didn't realize how I must have been staring until I saw that she was looking at me kind of strange. But I was... Well, I couldn't get over it. This little girl, the picture of innocence, Ferris's kid. This here's Sam Brooke, uh, old, old friend. He knew your ma, too, once upon a time. Well, pleased to meet you, Mr. Brooke. Any friend of Pa's and Ma's? Ain't often I'm struck speechless, but I sure was this time. Well, she put her little hand in mine and gave it a good firm shake, and then she turned back to her paw, and I saw pure love on her face. Kind of look any father would be proud to see. You go draw some water for coffee, sweetheart, and get started on them biscuits. Sam and me will catch us up a nice plump fryer. Okay, Daddy. Lois? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Dottie favors her ma right smart, don't she? Don't look so shocked. Get that brown one. She's headed for the tree. It's okay. We'll catch us up another one. There's plenty. Anyway, after, after you took off of Texas, one thing sort of led to another, and she died, having a baby. I done what I could, but... 
Come on, we want any supper tonight. We'd best be about fetching it. The girl had done a fine job keeping a home for the two of them. The oak sideboard was polished to a shine. Framed paintings hung on the walls, and there was even a silver tea service. I imagine that some of the things had been Lois's. Lois. My eye caught a small tintype on the sideboard. It looked to be a portrait of a handsome young man, maybe in his teens. Well, I was studying him, trying to decide how he fit in with Ferris and Dottie when she came in from the kitchen wearing an apron and carrying a tray with a pitcher and three glasses. Supper will be ready directly, Mr. Brooke. You just sit and make yourself comfortable. I got the coffee on, but I thought you might favor some nice cool well water in the meantime. <gasps> I forgot it was sitting out. A relative of yours? Um, no, no, give it here to me. A friend, then. Dottie, chicken's about plucked. You coming? Pa didn't take to Monty, and, uh, he don't know I got this. Please don't tell him. Another piece of pie, Mr. Brooke. Pa? Just coffee, darling. I'll, I'll take a little slice, uh, not as big as the other. You, um, you live here alone, Dottie? Sort of, whenever Pa's away. Ain't nobody else liable to come calling way back here in the swamp. I reckon Dottie can handle trouble, though. She has to. She ain't no stranger to shooting irons. Taught her myself. This little gal can pluck the eye out of a sparrow at a hundred paces. Oh, Daddy. Good place to be, Sam. Back off a beaten track without no neighbors to trouble you. And a woman's touch to make it home. I get ideas sometimes about just retiring here and letting that business in Colerville go to the devil. Ought to give it some thought to your own self, boy. You ain't getting any younger. You without no place to call your own. Nor anybody there for you. Well, it does come to mind now and then. But maybe... Maybe it's just not in the cards for me. A man plays with what he's dealt. Sometimes they come up aces. Sometimes they just come up bust. <laughs> That's everything you know about cards in life, son. You must have clean forgot some of them lessons I taught you. Uh, why don't you go clear off the table, darling, and, and run along to bed? Me and Sam will just set out on the porch a spell and have us a little nightcap. You men... Just when the talking gets interesting, you go and skulk off among yourselves. I'm glad you're home, Pa. But don't stay out too late, you hear? That night air ain't good for your rheumatism. Here's to old friends and times gone by, with the hope for better times to come. That's right, smooth for Bayhead whiskey. <laughs> Smoother than anything I sell at the cotton mouth. <laughs> Makes a fella puff out his chest and holler, cock a doodle doo! <laughs> right peaceful place. Uh huh. Well, I picked it out some 15 years back. My own personal island in a world full of troubles. Why'd you bring me here, Ferris? 
you need the place to hole up. I had one. Ain't like it's the first time we've shared a hideout from the law. Uh, first time for me in a mighty long time. You figured out what you mean to do yet? I mean, about you being back here in Florida without no job nor any other way to earn your keep. And a murder charge hanging over your head. I didn't even know, Clinch. You don't have to convince me, son. There's one thing I know, it's that you didn't kill John Clinch. But I ain't exactly in the majority. You still holding that train ticket I bought you? Mm-hmm. Maybe you ought to use it. Of course, if I could square things with Higgins, you wouldn't have to leave the country under cloud. Been offered a job. Now, so far, I haven't taken it. Could be that job ain't open anymore. At least not for Sam Brooke. Yeah, maybe. But I gave them a word and used their train ticket to get here. It was John Clinch you gave your word to and him that paid for the ticket. He's dead. Might be the rest of them ain't so anxious to have you. I don't expect you to understand, Ferris. I ain't pleased with everything I've done in my life, but I sleep a whole lot better now than I used to. <laughs> I sleep just fine my own self. Out here in my own little piece of the world with all the comforts of home and a Loving daughter to look after me in my old age. Dear God, this is Dottie. Thank you for bringing Pa home safe again. How long you reckon Dottie will be staying here with you? Tell my ma I send her love and please God, take care of Monty till we can be together for always. Amen and good night, Lord. As long as I want her to, I reckon. She's near a grown woman already. She'll be thinking about men and a home of her own before you know it. This old cabin in the swamp won't be nothing to Dottie but a distant memory when she hooks up with the right boy, some Tom or Harry or Monty. Monty don't come calling here no more. And the next young buck what has designs on Dottie will fetch us in the same way. With his belly opened up and his guts pulled out to feed the gators in Tiger Tail Slough. Oh, dear God, no! No, Monty! Monty! Dottie? Dottie! You got coffee on, gal? Dottie? Sam? Sam's gone. Damn horse is gone. What tarnation's going on around here. Dottie? You still in bed, girl? Dottie? She's gone. Dottie? Dottie! You can stop right there, Sam Brook. For whatever it's worth, I didn't kill John Clinch. How do we know you're telling the truth, Brook? You can check my alibi with a man who was with me. Local miner named Zebediah Smith. That ain't much of an alibi, Mr. Brook, under the circumstances. Zebediah Smith being a fugitive from the law's own self. Yeah. Uh, an empty cartridge outside Clinch's store showed two men done the shoot. But Jenkins seen you with Zebediah that night, so they figured he was the other one. 
Deputy Higgins swore out a warrant for him right after Ferris helped you escape. That's where most of the men in town are right now, hunting for him. And you. Call him off that horse. We got a rope just waiting for him. He killed Clint. Now you hold on. You hold on. Zebediah saved my hide from a cold-blooded ambush. The only way Jenkins could have seen us together is if... Well, we might be inclined to believe your story, Mr. Brook. In the light of what Jenkins and Higgins have done already. They're two of the men we wanted your help against. But now that you've betrayed our trust in you as well... And what's that supposed to mean? It means keeping secret about your outlaw past and you being in cahoots with Ferris. That was a long time ago. But it is the truth. I did ride with Ferris in the old days. He's one of Ferris's own. I know it. what I tell you? I tried to pick my friends more careful in later years. But I guess a man's past sins just sort of stick with him. No matter what he does afterwards. <laughs> I can't blame you all for the way you feel. But you tell Higgins and his posse they got a long, hard ride ahead of them if they mean to catch up with me. Uh, uh, wait a minute. Where do you stand with Bearclaw Ferris, Brooke? Oh, he's the closest we used to be. I reckon maybe one of us changed his views on life just a tad more than the other did. I expect I'm a damn fool for saying this. I'd like a chance to talk further before you leave town. Why don't you come around to my place after supper for a little confab? You know which is my cabin? I know it. Of course, you could just ride out now and take your chances. But I got a feeling if we can all learn to trust each other a little bit, we might just be able to clear your name and do our own calls some good in the process. I'll be there. It was still daylight when I got to the old barn where Zebediah had holed up. I, mean, I had a hunch he was probably still there. I don't know where else he could go with a posse after him. I tied the horse in some shade and made my way to the door of the barn. It was partly open and I ducked inside real fast, just in case somebody in there decided to do some target practicing on me. It wasn't hard to slip into the shadows. The place was pretty dark. Zebediah? Zebediah, it's me, Sam Brook, and I'm alone. And I took care nobody followed me. What you want, Mr. Brook? Hiding place, same as you. All right, come on up. But see you do it careful. You can put the gun down, Zabadiah. You certainly wasn't followed. Oh, I'm sure. Trusting don't come very easy to me right this minute. I suppose you know about the posse. Uh-huh. And they might feel obliged to give you some kind of halfway trial before they stretch your neck. Don't figure they'd waste that much time and trouble over the likes of me. How'd you know I was here? Well, I didn't for certain. Just seemed like a good place to keep myself out of sight till sundown. What happens then? Got a meeting with a couple of gents from town. Mm. Appears not everybody's convinced you and me are cold-blooded killers. <laughs> Don't everybody need to believe it. A dozen or so with guns and a hemp rope will probably do the trick. <laughs> uh, there was somebody that seen the shooting. Oh? Mary. She works at the cotton mouth. A dealer. She's on her way home when it happened. 
She watched the whole thing from start to finish. She recognized the killers? There weren't much question about it, being as they both worked for Bear Claw Ferris, same as her. She's an awful scared young woman. That Bear Claw and his crowd do a powerful loop over this piece of the country. I'll deal with Ferris. But first, I need for Mary to identify those killers for me. <laughs> Can't see what good it'll do you. Colored folks' testimony don't amount to a hill of beans in no Florida court. Well, as far as the killers are concerned, we've got an eyewitness that can put a noose around their necks. Mm, that's true. No reason to believe we won't use her. Mm. Well, that could be enough to bluff them into telling who gave them their marching orders. Mm. All Mary'd have to do is, is point them out to you in secret? No reason for the men to know our source. Think you can manage to get in touch with her later this evening? <laughs> Why not? Starting to get right used to sneaking around dark alleys. Yeah, I'll talk to those gents from town in the meanwhile. If they're agreeable, we can set our plans to work and come daylight. As <laughs> uh, long as they're not too upset when I give them the bad news. Uh, what bad news? Uh, putting the finger on Ferris for Clinch's murder won't be the end of trouble in Colterville. Mm. It's liable to be just the beginning. <laughs> I went on out to McClendon's place like I told him I would. But I can't say my heart was in it. When I got there, all of Clinch's friends were waiting, sitting around McClendon's big table in the kitchen. Did none of them look what you might call thrilled to see me. But then I was there to serve a purpose, was the way they saw it. All right, Brooke, there's your badge. I reckon we're all agreed to let you make your try. But it's only a temporary appointment. Just till Higgins and Ferris are out of the picture. Or I am. Lucas here's got friends up to the state capitol. We can probably put an end to Higgins' deputy days and time, but just no telling what him and Ferris might do in the meantime. Well, that's where I come in. You do what's needed, and we'll back you to the hill. That's right. But we want that badge back after Colderville's peaceful again. Yep. Yep. Your past deeds ain't being forgot, just kind of ignored for the time being. Yeah, I suppose that's fair under the circumstances. Mm -hmm. That's about it, Brooke. We're behind you. Watch yourself. We'll get him. Get this town cleaned up. Gentlemen. Well, the die's cast, for better or worse. You realize we've just staked the future of Colterville on the word of an outlaw. The former outlaw, Lucas. And I can't help believing Sam Brooke was a man of his word, even when he was outside the law. Ever how you look at it, things is right on the verge of getting even more sprightly than they was before. True to his word, Zebediah got to marry, and we ended up facing each other the next morning before any of the stores was open, except for a couple of saloons. Mary was on one side of the street and me on the other, acting like we didn't know each other. But me watching for a sign that told me she'd spotted our two killers. And she and Zebediah had it all worked out. And now I watched and I waited. And pretty soon Mary's face went kind of strange and her dark eyes darted toward two men coming out of the Orange Blossom Saloon. I had two guns tied down and I was carrying my Winchester. Not that I hadn't faced two to one before. It was just that I had some kind of an odd feeling about the day. A kind of, what do you call it, a premonition. Zebediah had told Mary that after she'd pointed the men out to me, she was to go on home and stay the heck away from the cotton mouth. 
He recommended she be thinking about some new line of work, which sounded like pretty good advice to me. Well, I won't bore you with the details. You've seen one fight, you've pretty much seen them all. But the end result was that the two guys who ended up having the names of Martin and Wilkins, in case anybody's interested, got kind of the worst end of the deal. Taken by surprise as they were, and I had them hogtied and trussed to the porch rail into John Clinch's store in less than 20 minutes. It seemed sort of fitting for them to be on public display at that particular location. You gents might as well make it easy on yourselves. I've known Ferris a long time, and he'd give you up in a minute if it'd save his own hide. Go to the devil. Suit yourself. Somebody's gonna hang for Clinch's killing, and you're the ones my witness identified. Witnesses got a way of disappearing time to time. You just wait till Ferris hears about this. He'll be down to fetch us, and he'll come a-smoking. Well, I'm counting on it. Higgins. Jenkins. Sam Brooke. Sam Brooke, you're under arrest for the murder of John Clinch. <laughs> Not this time, deputy. I got the real killers right here beside me. And they're just about to tell me who gave the orders to have Clinch killed. Hey, you can't... Camp what, Jenkins? Put the Winchester down, Brooke. It won't wash. We got you dead to rights. Chicken here saw you and Zebediah that night almost in the act. We'll talk about it later, between the two of us. Meanwhile, I got a witness who saw these two here do the shooting. She made positive identification not 15 minutes ago. She? Who? Just wait for the trial and find out. Or call me a liar and play your best card. You got the advantage, Brooke, for the moment. Maybe you won't feel so cocky when I come back here with a posse. You bring them on. If you can find anybody who will still follow you. See, I'm the law in Coulterville now, according to the town's elected officials, and you're just somebody's poor relation. And if he's halfway smart, he'll drop you like a hot poker for this re-election. You reckon it'd be safe for us to turn our backs on you, Mr. Brooke, so we can leave the street peaceably? Why not? I never took a shot at anybody's back. Well, gentlemen, alone at last. Now, whether you talk or not, somebody will get the notion you did, sooner or later. Or be awfully concerned that you might have. Shove it, Brooke. You know, I have a mind just to leave the two of you out here in the open till one or the other of those things happen. Go on ahead. You make as big a target as us. That's true. Except I'm not hogtied. And maybe I'll just wait inside where it's cool while y'all think it over. Could be you were right about me being the target. Now, just how good you figure those boys' aims is. Damn, Brooke. Don't use us for no shield. Hey, who's shooting? And who you shooting at? I ain't being no shooting gallery duck for no man. You get us out of here, Brooke. We'll talk our fool heads off. Too late for that now. You just have to hold your water till I can... Sunlight on something in that window across the way. He's gonna fire. The roof! Seems like everything hit the fan at once. I got two of the shooters, but it didn't seem right to keep Wilkins and Martin pinned down where they couldn't even defend themselves. So against my better judgment, I managed to give them a folding knife out of my pocket and hand it to Martin. I told him to cut themselves loose and they get inside, I'd cover. Well, they didn't lose any time doing just that. Though Wilkins got hit in the leg before he could clear the door. Well, I backed in behind him on my knees and my elbows while two more shots rang out, clipping in just a little closer than was comfortable. 
All of a sudden, a wild shot came from the side of the store and slammed into a clump of bushes I hadn't even noticed. I glanced around to see who fired off the shot, and <laughs> there was Zebediah with blood stains on his sleeve. About that time, a man fell out of that clump of bushes, and Zebediah allowed himself a, a little grin of accomplishment. Now, we sort of looked at one another and then at our surroundings to see if anybody else wanted to play cowboys this fine morning. But the street was quiet, and there didn't seem to be a soul in sight. That is, until Zebediah stepped behind the store and reappeared, dragging out a trussed-up Cassius, Ferris's number one henchman. Got another prisoner for your collection. Calm down by Mary's place. Fixing that women killing to his list of sins. Well, it looks like you took some damage in the process. No, it ain't all that bad. But I could use a hand-toting Cassius inside. Sam! Hello, Ferris. Where is she? What'd you do with her? Who? Play games with me, Sam. I ain't in the mood. Where's Dottie? Dottie? I haven't seen her since that night at your place. Ah, oh, you mean she finally left you. Quit pretending I ought to have been knowed you meant to take her away from me right from the get-go. But you told me so yourself. You're wrong, Ferris. Dottie's a young woman with ideas of her own. I was just able to see it coming, and you couldn't. You're a dirty, thieving liar, Sam. And this is where it stops. Ferris? Ferris, I do the job proud, son. I brung it to you, and you can do it. Only... Only what, Ferris? Only you always was just a tad too hey, trusting. Hey, look out! Ah, Ferris, he's got a gun! Ah. Dottie! That was for you, Monty. You was a real fine boy, and you deserve better than... <laughs> Marshal, Deputy Higgins left town last night, and he ain't expected back. That's so? Folks say he packed up his duds and flat let out. Heading south last anybody seen him. Uh-huh. Reckon we won't have no more trouble with him or his kind, now that Cultival's got itself a real hard-nosed lawman. Uh, listen here, Marshal. We've been talking it over, and we figure we was a mite hasty about that temporary appointment business. Long and the short of it is, we'd be mighty proud to have you stay on as Colderville's marshal, just as long as you'd have a mind to. Well, my thanks, gentlemen, for the vote of confidence, but I'm afraid you're just going to have to find some other young hellraiser to stick that piece of tin on. <laughs> Running a boarding house and raising three, four young'uns liable to use up every bit of my spare time. Culterville starred Al Dunaway as Sam Brooks and was based on an original screenplay written by Lee Gramling and adapted for Sagebrush Theater by Esther Luttrell, who also produced and directed. Sue Pavler played Sally Markham, and Bear Claws Ferris was played by Les Gramling. Logan Bell played the dual roles of Zebediah and Casey. Jan Fately was heard as McClendon. John Donahue played Clinch and Martin. The role of Roberts was played by Jeremy James. Jack Larson was heard as Nayer Reed. Gary Norris was Lucas. Dottie Ferris was played by Julian Larton. 
Doc Green, and Higgins by Tom Farrar. Jack Marlowe played multiple supporting roles. John Bethesby played the young boy in the opening scene and Larry Luttrell was heard as Wilkins. Our musical director, Buddy Reeves, wrote, arranged, and performed the original score. Associate producer was Patrick McGranahan. And I am Jack Diamond, inviting you to soar on the wings of imagination to Mojave Beach Productions' World of Audio Entertainment. The Sagebrush Theater theme, Sunset in Santa Fe, was composed by Tony Beaulieu and performed by Jack Allen. I just want to take a moment to thank you for soaring with us on the wings of imagination as you listen to stories we're having so much fun creating for you. If you enjoy what you hear, take a moment to subscribe to Mojave Beach Productions on your favorite podcast app. And thanks a million. <laughs> 